0: You look good this morning. What'd you say? Every once in a while, Every once in a while you look good. Hey, even you online, I know I can't see you, but I think you look good at home. Thank you for being here. You know, I heard something the other week, uh, You know, another church said, they said that our live stream is a great way to get a feel of what our church is like, but there's nothing like being here in person, amen? So if you were watching with us online, just make plans to be here on Easter. We would love, just love to have you here. Well, we are going to be in the book of John today, of course. We've been going through the book of John. We're going to be talking about Jesus Walking on water. And it's a powerful message. And when I start to study you know, a, a story like this in the scripture, I try to put myself in that story, right? So I remembered uh, a time where Pastor John and I, we went out in a boat on uh, the Chesapeake Bay. And I wasn't going to share this story because uh, I hope I don't get in trouble. But we went out on the Chesapeake Bay, and, and a few years before that, I had gone out on a fishing trip with my dad and my grandfather. I think I've told you about it. And we went to Lake Erie. Uh, up in Ohio. And the the skipper of the boat, he said, you know, this is nothing like, or or he said, "Uh, this is worse than even the Chesapeake Bay, okay? So I was like, okay, so this is pretty bad. And it was pretty bad. We went 15 miles out into Lake Erie on a boat, just kind of slamming against the waves, and there was like six of us in a boat and holding on tight. Well, obviously, that skipper had never been out in the Chesapeake Bay with Reverend Dr. John McLeod, okay? (laughs) So we went out in the Chesapeake Bay on this boat, you know, good-sized boat, just the two of us, And I would never been so sure someone was trying to kill me in my life. (laughs) We were just flying over waves. We were catching air, just landing in the water. I mean, we were wet by the time we got back. But it it was a lot of fun. But but I've been in a boat and in some rough waves before. But I haven't haven't experienced anything like uh, the men of the Essex. Anybody ever heard of the Essex? Back in the 1800s, maybe you've heard of Moby Dick. If You've heard of Moby Dick, you've heard of the Essex. It's the, the real life story that Moby Dick was based off of. But it was a whaling ship out of Nantucket, Massachusetts. Uh, in about 1820, they were sailing through southern, the Southern Pacific Ocean. They were on the search for whales, and uh, they were trying to get their oil. It was a, a hot commodity, the whale oil. It's how they would you know, burn their lanterns and, and stuff like that. So it, it made good money. You know, If you think of Deadliest Catch, those guys go out there, and they're trying to make good money. That's what whaling was back then. It made good money. And so there were these guys, and, you know, I read a book about it, and they talk about how, you know, one of them was trying to prove himself to be the captain of his own boat. One of them was a captain. He'd never really done very well. And so this was like, you know, I'm going to give it my best on this ship, and I'm going I'm to do good and prove myself. But then there were some younger guys who were just trying to make some money, right, and then come back and provide a, a life for their family, for their wife, buy a nice home. But while they were out there, uh, they got attacked by a big whale, right, we know that story from Obi-Wan. Their boat gets attacked by a huge whale. It sinks the boat. They're in these little, uh, what are their whaling vessels. So they would get out of their big boat into smaller boats to go hunt the whale. So they get into their whaling vessels, and they are out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean for, for three months trying to survive. And, and some of them end up dying, and there, there were 20 to begin with, and eight ended up surviving. But they were in the middle of, of the ocean for three months, and it was just A a dangerous situation, a powerful situation to think of in in our time. You know, we don't hear much about people being out in the middle of the ocean for three months anymore. I don't know if we have anybody on the Coast Guard. I know we've got a few people from the Navy, but they do a great job. We've got John from the Coast Guard. They do a great job of rescuing people who are lost. But when you're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean in in 1820, there's not a lot of hope for you. That's a powerful story. And I know maybe none of us have experienced anything that graphic before you know, if you, if you read books about it, it it's a pretty graphic story. You, even my trip on the Chesapeake Bay with Pastor John was not that graphic or that scary. Uh, it was a little scary, but it wasn't that bad. But in, in all of our lives, we've experienced a storm, right? We've experienced a storm in our life, a difficult time in our, in our life on a journey. You know, these men, they were hunting whales. They were on a journey. This wasn't just like a, a, a two-month stint. You know, they were planning to be out there for, for a couple years, hunting whales and just storing up the oil and, and you know, processing the, sh- the whales on their ship and then dumping what they didn't need back in the ocean. I mean, it was a full-time job that, that would take a, a couple years at a time and then be able to come back and see their family. But, but in all of our lives, we've been on a journey before. Maybe it's uh, for me and my wife, we're, we're trying to buy a house. That's the journey we're on right now. Maybe for some of you, you're looking for, for that special someone to be your spouse for the rest of your life. That's a journey. Maybe you're just in a, a dead-end job, and, and you're trying to look for what's next for your career. That's a journey. We've all been in a journey, and through those journeys, we hit storms, right? We're going to read about a journey that the disciples were in later today, and they hit a storm. But I wanted to share a picture with you before we start. It'll be up on the screen. But if you go down to the ocean front, there's this uh, sign. At the top of it, it says, before I die, dot, dot, dot. Can we see that? Before I die, Dot, dot, dot. And it gives people the space to write what they want to do before they die, okay? You know, we all have dreams, right? This is maybe the journey that some people are going on. So there's some, some funny ones, some, some fun ones in there. Like, meet Paul McCartney. Before I die, I want to meet Paul McCartney. I want to spread positivity. That's a great dream, just wanting to spread positivity. I want to make my parents proud. I want to live happily ever, ever after. And I think my wife wrote this one. I want to adopt 100 dogs. Those are great dreams. Those are great journeys to be on. But there are others that feel more like those dreams have kind of been given up, like those dreams are dead. Some people wrote, I want to find true happiness. I want to really forgive myself. I want to love me. And then the one that struck me the most is on the bottom right corner. It says, before I die, I want to really live, not just survive. How many of us have felt like we just really want to live? Just for once in our life, we want to live instead of just trying to survive. We want to feel like our marriage is is blossoming, like we can really live and not just survive. We want to feel like we're in a career where we are happy and we know we are doing good things instead of just punching the clock and going through the motions. We want to really have this fullness of life. We don't want to just survive in our life. And if you're lucky, maybe you've never experienced this yet. Maybe you're still planning your dreams. Maybe you haven't hit that rough spot in your life before. And that's okay. The story we're going to read today in the Bible has some lessons for you as well. But for a lot of us, we've been in that journey before. We've, we've hit that rough spot in our journey before. And we've just felt, man, I wish I could just live instead of just trying to survive. I think that's maybe how the disciples were feeling when we read today. So if, we, if you would, let's turn to John chapter 6, verses 16 through 21. I said earlier, this is the story of Jesus walking on water But I think it's really the story of Jesus getting into the boat. You know, Jesus walking on water, that's a powerful miracle. But what really happens in this story is Jesus gets in a boat, and then the disciples experience transformation. So let's read verse 16. It says, now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea, began to stir, the, sea, the sea began to be stirred up because a strong wind was blowing. That's that storm we're talking about. Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat. And they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. So they were willing to receive him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Let's pray before we move on. Father, we thank you for your word, for your scripture. Lord, your your, your word says that all word, all scripture is good for teaching. And it's powerful. It cuts deep. So, Lord, I ask that as we read this word, it would cut deep in us this morning. All the way to the bone, through the, the strong tendons in our lives. Lord, so that we can come out transformed through reading of your word. Lord, I pray that I would be a mouthpiece this morning. Lord, that my words would not be my own, but they would be yours. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds to receive from you this morning. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. So this story takes place, of course, after the feeding of the 5,000 that Anthony shared about last week. And in verse 15, we didn't read it, but uh, Jesus says that he could see that they were coming and trying to take him by force. This crowd was coming to take him, and they wanted to make him king, You know, which sounds like a great thing, but, but the Lord has timing. And he said, it's not, it's not time for me to become king. So this is a little bit of a stressful situation for Jesus and for the disciples. And so they kind of, they flee a little bit and they split up. And we see that Jesus goes up to a mountain when evening comes and the disciples go down to the sea. I think there's a lot to un- unpack here, so let's, let's do that first. Uh, we see this, this difference. Jesus went up to a mountain while the disciples went down to the sea. That, that's different, right? First, there's high places versus low places. Jesus went up to a high place, up to the mountains to pray. The disciples went down to a low place, to the sea. But this is kind of where they were used to hanging out. The disciples were used to hanging out by the sea. Four of the 12 disciples we know were definitely fishermen. That was their job. There are two more, Thomas and Nathaniel, who, who you know, probably liked fishing. We see in chapter 21 when Jesus appears to his disciples that those four, there's Andrew, Peter, James, and John, they were the fishermen. They were out fishing. And then Thomas and Nathaniel were with them. And then it says that there are two more. There were probably Andrew and Philip, or the other two that he refers to in 21. But we know that they enjoyed being by the sea. They enjoyed fishing. That was their comfortable spot. That was kind of their default spot. Does anybody have a default spot in their life? We also know that Jesus liked to hang out in the mountains. He was a mountain man, right? In Luke 6, it says that Jesus went to the mountains and spent the whole night praying before choosing his disciples. In Matthew 5, Jesus gave the sermon on the mount. That's where he gave this powerful sermon we read about in Matthew. In Matthew 17, it says that Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John on the mountain. He liked to spend his time in the mountain. So we've each got these these default spaces where we go when, when stress happens. Jesus goes to the mountains, the disciples go to the sea, and I wonder where your default spot is when you start to feel this stress or this anxiety in your life. You know, In marriage counseling, we talk about these warning signs when you just know you're about to be in a fight. Does Anybody that's married know when you're about to be in a fight? You get these warning signs. Maybe your, your heart rate starts to beat or, or maybe you just kind of start to well up with tears. Maybe you just feel anxious. There's actually a physical reaction that happens in your body. And if you don't always have cold hands like I do, your fingertips will actually turn cold because the blood will rush into the middle of your body as you kind of tense up. And you'll feel your fingertips get cold when you start to feel anxious or stressed before a, a fight. Maybe you lash out in anger. Maybe your default spot is to scroll on your phone. You know, when things get difficult, you just, you just go to your phone and you just scroll. You know, we do that. Maybe you just push your feelings deep down so you don't have to deal with them then. That's what I do, if I'm honest. My wife will tell you. I just, I just push my feelings deep down, and then all of a sudden, all the feelings come out, right? But I wonder if when we get in these stressful situations, when we're on our journey and it gets dark, when evening comes, when you start to feel that pressure or that pain or that confusion, I wonder, are we going back to the places where God called us out of? Remember, God called the disciples out of the boat, out of the sea. I wonder if we're going back to our default places where the Lord found us or if we're going with the Lord up to the high places to pray. I wonder if we're going back to what we're used to instead of pushing through the pressure and reaching into new ground, new territory where we've never taken before. I wonder what we do. Are you rising to the new heights with Jesus, or are you slipping back to the places of your past? In verse 17, uh, I like how this is the NASB that we read, but I like how the NLT kind of phrases it. It says, but as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. As darkness fell and Jesus hadn't shown up. Have Have we ever felt like that before? It's getting dark and scary, and Jesus isn't showing up. And so what do we always do? We just go on on our own, right? We go on on our own, and the disciples, they said, you know, Jesus isn't here. It's dark. It's scary. Let's just just go. They decided to leave without Jesus, and this is the start of their journey. This is the start of of their journey of, of fear instead of faith because they were afraid of what could happen to them. In the dark, they knew they had to get to Capernaum. And instead of trusting Jesus, having faith in their leader, they said, let's just get in the boat and let's go. And they left Jesus. I don't know about Jesus, but that would make me kind of mad. Right? They left Jesus. Of course, it didn't make him mad. I think about the men of the Essex floating in the deep, dark ocean at night, knowing that their fear, their faith had to have been overcome with fear. You know, a few times in the story, they, they stop at different islands, looking for just a place to, to try to survive. And every time they find a new island, it's like it'll last for a couple days and then the resources are just used up. I wonder how many times in our situation we feel fearful instead of faithful. And it's like every place we try to stop to get help, we find that our resources are used up. We think we can just go to our friend and tell him about our problems and it'll all be better, but the resources are used up and we don't get better. We think we can you know, go to our wife and say, this is the problem I have, but, but she doesn't have the answers for us either. Because there's only hope. The only hope that can be found is in Jesus. How many times have you allowed your fear to overcome your faith? As you look at your future, as you look at the plans and the dreams that you have for your life, that the Lord may have for your life, how many times do we just walk in our own ways, in our own understanding, instead of leaning on Him? I said earlier that this story has some lessons for everyone here this morning. Maybe you're still making your plans. Maybe you're still making the plans for your life. Maybe you're just about to get married and you've got dreams for your marriage and you're just hoping that that everything will turn out right because you you just have love and that's all you need, right? You've just got love and that's all you need to make it. But in reality, if you've been married for any time at all, you know that's not true. You know that's not true. Are you making those plans with Jesus or are you making those plans on your own? Is, is the dream of your, your career plans you've made with Jesus, or are they plans you've made on your own? Is the dream you have for, for your kids the dream that you've made on your own, or the dream that Jesus has made with you and your kids? Are you, are you planning your dreams on your own, or are you planning them with Jesus? Because I think what the disciples did is they planned on their own. They got in that boat, and they left without Jesus. And we can see in just a little bit What happens? I said earlier that my wife and I were looking to buy a house. We've put an offer on a couple houses already and just just been outbid. That's how it goes. It's it's a difficult market. But one of the coolest things we did is, is every time we've submitted an offer, either we've prayed with our realtor and just said, Lord, if it's your will, let it be done. Or, you know, we've prayed by ourselves, just, Lord, if it's your will, let it be done. And obviously it hasn't been his will yet, right? And that gives me some comfort. You know, if we let our fear overcome our faith, we're like, oh, man, that was the perfect house. Both of them, I'll be honest, backed up to some water. We we might have been a little uh, a little a little silly thinking we were going to get that house in this market. But we, we ended up putting an offer on a house that is not very pretty on the inside, and we're still waiting to hear back. So I don't know what the answer is. But it's not very pretty on the inside. But I think when we make plans with Jesus, it's kind of like putting an offer on a house that's not very pretty on the inside. We may not be very pretty starting out, but when we make plans with Jesus, that house can be transformed. We're already dreaming of what this house is going to look like if we do end up getting it. It's going to have shiplap in the laundry room and, and brand new countertops in the kitchen. But when we make plans with Jesus, we can see the hope. When we make plans on our own, there's no hope to be found. Are you making plans with Jesus or are you moving on your own? So what happens when we take that step without Jesus? Okay, that was for those who are still making their plans, but for some of us, we've already, we've already taken that step, Right? We've already taken that step without Jesus. Well, what happens? We can read what happens to the disciples. Verse 18, the sea began to stir and the winds began to blow. There's a storm brewing, right? It's scary. It's like riding out on the Chesapeake Bay with Pastor John, jumping over waves. It's scary. When you marry someone before the Lord has called you to it, there's going to be a storm, I can promise you. When you buy a house before the Lord has called you to it, you'll find out the pipes are broken. When you change jobs before the Lord has called you to it, there's never going to be growth. When we make plans, when we take a step before the Lord has called us to it, the winds will only blow and the seas will only stir. Because we're not making plans with the one who controls creation. The one who is king and power over all creation. When the disciples decided that they would move because Jesus wasn't working on their timeline, they got caught in a storm. When you decide to move because Jesus is not working on your timeline, I can promise you you're going to get caught in a storm. I've got so much scripture that backs that up. I've got so many stories of of silly Jews and people like the disciples who just thought, we're going to make plans on our own. We're going to build this calf and we're going to worship it. It never works out. When you make plans without the Lord, they never work out. It only turns into a storm. What is it in your life you need to faithfully trust to God? What is it in your life that you've been walking with, that you've been moving into, but the Lord has said, I'm not with you. Go ahead, but I'm not there. That's what the Lord does. We can read about that in the book of Romans. He says, you know, you can go. I'll give you over to your desires, but I'm not going to be there. What do we need to trust God to? What plans do you need to surrender to God? Maybe your marriage feels like a storm right now. You know, your marriage is definitely a journey, but maybe you walked into it without the Lord, and it's just a storm. Maybe your finances are a storm right now. You know, you're trying to, to buy a house or save up for college or save up for your kid's college or, or save up for the future, but you haven't taken those steps with the Lord and your finances are just a storm right now. Maybe you go to work every day and you just know that this is not what the Lord has called you to, but it paid well and they were, they were hiring, so you, you moved in that direction. But every day since, it's just been a storm because you didn't take that step with the Lord. I wonder how our lives would look different if we took steps of faith with the Lord instead of taking steps on our own timeline. What is that journey that you're on and what's that storm? As we continue into verse 19, we see a turning point. We see the turning point in this story. It says, Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. And they were scared. He was walking on the sea they were scared. And if I'm honest with you, I'd be scared too. Right? This guy's just walking on water. That's scary. But that's what happens when we take steps with the Lord. It's going to look scary sometimes because we don't see the future, but he does. We don't see the steps that he's going to take us through, but he does. And so when Jesus is walking on the water, when he's walking in the middle of that journey and you see him and you're like, Jesus, that looks kind of scary. Guess what? He knows where he's going. He knows the directions. That's when we've got to let our fear go and trust our faith in the Lord. Amen? When we see Jesus walking on water, it's going to be scary, but he knows where he's going, and we don't. It said they had rode about three or four miles. They probably had about two or three left in their journey. And remember that, because the ending is pretty, pretty amazing. And they saw Jesus walking in the midst of the storm. But Jesus doesn't walk on water simply to amaze the disciples. He doesn't walk on water just to say, look what I can do. You know, that's what we would do, but that's not what Jesus does. Jesus walks on water to prove to his disciples who He is. He says, it is I. They were afraid, and he said, it is I. And if you remember back a few weeks to what Dr. Joe Bucci was preaching on, and he talked about how Jesus is the I am. And all of these things that that means when he says that I, that that he is the I am. I think when Jesus says, it is I, Dr. Joe, you can correct me, but I think it's pretty close to him saying, I am. I am the one who you need. I am the God of the Old Testament. You know, Jesus is walking on water, and that's the miracle. But when Jesus gets in the boat, that's the rescue. Jesus may be walking on the water near you, but if you don't receive him into your boat, there's no rescue. Jesus may be watching over you, and he may know the situation that you're in. You may even be on a journey that was, that was God-ordained in the, in the beginning. He may be walking with you, but if you don't let him into your boat, there's no rescue. When we trust our lives to Jesus, we are trusting in the I am, the God of the Old Testament. Can we throw the slides up there? This is what Dr. Joe preached about. He says, I am. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world, the door of the sheep, the resurrection and the life, the good shepherd, the way, the truth and the life, the true vine. He is the way. But what does that mean to us? Pastor Nick, I've read that in the Bible, but I'm not really sure what that means to me in my life. It means he sustains your needs. What are the needs that you have in your life right now? Are they money? Are they food? Are they relationship? Are they love? Do you really need to just feel like you can live and not just survive? What are your needs? Because he sustains them. He brings light to the dark places. What dark place are you in right now? Are you in a darkness of, of anxiety and depression or an abusive relationship? Whatever the darkness is, he brings light to that. What are the dead things in your life? Because he brings those to life the dreams you had in your life that were dead. He brings those to life. He is a source of direction. He guides us. When we don't know where to go, He says, follow me. He is our direction. He is the truth, the one and only truth. When you're struggling to see what is true in your life and the culture around you, He is the truth. He provides that for you. He helps us grow and mature in spirit. If you feel like you are weak in spirit, if you feel like you are immature in spirit, He can grow you into maturity in your spirit he rescues us and this is the point of transformation this is when your life starts to turn around when you let him into the boat just because you know that jesus is walking with you okay but are you walking with him jesus may be walking with you but are you walking with him are you receiving him in to the boat with you and allowing him to do that work of transformation in your life i was scrolling on social media just this morning and I follow our president. You know, we're supposed to pray for our president. I like to know what's going on. And, and he posted this, this, this little, I don't know what you call it, a gif, I guess. Okay? And, and it said, the American rescue plan is here. Help is here. And whether or not you believe that, that's a different story. But the American rescue plan, that may be help. But here's what it's not. It's not hope. Some more money in your bank account may be help, but it's not hope. More money for your business may be help, but it's not hope. Just because it says it's a rescue doesn't mean it's really the rescue that we need, because we need hope. We need someone who can sustain our needs, not just give us some money. We need someone who can give us the bread of life, not just some food. We need someone who can come into our lives and get in the boat with us. Get in the boat with us. His disciples were reminded of who Jesus truly was what he wanted to do in their life, the plan that he had originally sent them on. There's a plan for your life. The Lord has originally sent you to do something, and if you've gotten off path, you need to let Jesus into the boat with you. Jesus didn't perform a miracle to show his power over creation. He performed the miracle to remind his disciples of what he really needed, and that was him. I wonder if you need Jesus to do a miracle in your life to remind you of who He is so that you can let Him into your boat. I serve a God that still performs miracles in our lives. You may not be out on the beach and see Him walking on water, but He will perform a miracle in your life, church. He will remind you of who He is. He does this for me all the time. He reminds me of all the things He has done in my past. And when I start to get down, I remember, Lord, You have provided so powerfully for me. You have saved me so many times from the path that I thought I was supposed to walk on. But he has done these things, and he will remind you of who he is. Maybe you need to be reminded that he is the I am. He can meet your needs. He can shine light in the darkness. He can bring life to dead things this morning, church. You need to be reminded that he is the I am. The same Jesus that we read about in the the Bible is the same God who did powerful works through Moses. It's the same God that spoke creation into being. That's the God that you need. You don't need the American rescue plan. You need a real rescue. You need hope that is only found in Christ Jesus. The same God that performed those miracles is the same God who can get in the boat with you. The transformation in the lives of the disciples didn't happen when Jesus walked on the water. It happened when he got in the boat. The journey was suddenly complete when Jesus got in the boat. Did you catch that? So they had two or three more miles to go. But in verse 21, as soon as Jesus got in the boat, they were there. That's powerful. So they were willing to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land which they were going. Church, you've got a journey that the Lord has sent you on. And you may be wavering, or or maybe you're about to get in that journey, but the Lord wants to get in that boat with you. He wants to carry you through to the end of your journey. I don't know what time it is because there's no clock on the back wall. But I'm I'm wrapping up, all right? Ingrid, if you could come. Here's an important thing to remember about our journey. This story was written on purpose, like it was. We have to remember that John was a a writer. He, He wrote this story on purpose. And he didn't write this story with Peter getting out of the of the boat. We can find that in different accounts. But he didn't write this story about Peter getting out of the boat, because Jesus isn't calling you out of the boat this morning. He says, you're in a storm, and you've got to go through that storm, but you've got to trust me to get in that boat with you. You This isn't the story of Jesus sleeping in the boat and then calming the storms. That's a different story. Jesus may not need to calm the storms in your life. You just need to trust that he's in the boat with you. There may still be a storm. We don't read in the scriptures that the storm ever got better. The storm was never calmed in this story. They just got where they were going. So don't think that when you accept Jesus into your boat that your storm is all of a sudden going to be calmed. You're still going to be in the storm but Jesus is going to get you through that storm. If you let him in the boat. This isn't the story of the disciples, of Jesus calling his disciples to leave the boat. That's a different story. Jesus isn't calling you out of where you're at. You're where you're at for a reason. Let me be honest with you. Maybe you're in some sin right now. You do need to get out. Maybe you need to read that other story. But when you're going through a storm, God knows it, and God's with you. When you're on a journey, there's going to be rough patches. But God is with you, and he wants you to receive him into the boat. This is the story of Jesus getting into your boat. In the midst of the storm, this is the story of Jesus getting into your boat. This is the story of Jesus joining you in the midst of chaos in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of fear, in the midst of just being stranded in what seems like a vast ocean for three months with nothing to eat. This is Jesus getting in to your boat. This is the story of Jesus giving you peace in the middle of your storm. This is Jesus making a way for there to be peace in whatever storm you're going through. Because when we just look at Jesus out on the ocean, we don't know where he's going. We still have fear in our hearts. There's no way for us to have peace. If we don't receive him, he gives us that peace when he gets in the boat. This is the story of Jesus getting you through your rough time and getting you to the finish line. What journey are you on this morning, church? Because here's the cool thing. You get to write the ending. You get to decide if Jesus gets in the boat with you. You get to decide if you keep just wandering through the ocean on your own. You get to decide if you're going to keep being pushed around by the wind and the waves, or if you're going to let the one who calms the sea get in the boat with you. Are you going to let the one who is the I am, the one who can provide, the one who can guide, the one who gives you what you need, are you going to let him in the boat or are you just going to keep him walking? Are you going to let him in the boat before the journey starts or are you going to leave him on the shore? You get to write the ending, church. But here's what I would suggest let him in the boat. Let the one who knows where he's going in the boat. If you've ever seen boats come in and out of the bay, there's a boat that meets the big ones out there. It's the harbor pilot. He gets out of his boat and gets into their boat. He says, I know where we're going. I know where the rough spots are. I know where you don't want to go. I know where you need to go. He, the, the, the captain of the big ship, let's the one who knows best in the boat. Church, you're the captain of your day-to-day life. You've got to let the one who knows where he's going in the boat. We're going to pray, and the worship team is going to come up. And I want to give you the opportunity to say, I'm going to let him in my boat this morning. So I think there's some of us here who feel like their dreams are dead, who feel like their future is just so-so, who feel like their job is just a dead-end street and it's never going to change. But we serve a God who gets in the boat. And so I want to give you this morning the chance to accept Jesus into your boat. Can we pray and then we're going to sing that powerful song Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's arms. Would you stand with me and we'll pray? Worship team, if you would come. Father, many of us are in a boat this morning. We're on stormy seas wind is blowing it's dark we went back to the place we were comfortable even though we know it wasn't the place where you are father we need you father we ask that you would send your son to get in the boat but lord we are reminded you did we are reminded that you rescued us that you gave us hope for the future Father, we don't need help this morning. We need hope. Father, we don't need a life jacket this morning. We need someone who knows where they're going. Father, we don't need a motor in our boat. We need a captain. So, Father, we turn to your son Jesus this morning. We ask that he would get in the boat with us. We ask that he would accept us for who we are. Sinful, broken. But, Father, we receive your son this morning. We receive the gift of eternal life this morning. We receive the bread of life this morning. We receive the one who is the I am and the one who is to come. Wow. We receive the one who is to come. We praise you this morning, Father. We lay ourselves down to you. We receive your Son. Church, our altar will be open this morning. If you want to come and you want to kneel and you want to pray and you want to receive the Lord this morning, if you want to let him into your boat, please do that. If you want to just kneel where you are this morning, that's fine too. If you're at home and you're in your living room, you're in your kitchen, hopefully you're not driving, but just close your eyes and receive the Lord this morning. Let him into your boat. He's got hope for you. Let's sing, church. My
1: hope is built on nothing left us blood.
0: Father, we thank you for your rescue. Lord, your plan was not an American rescue plan. It was a creation rescue plan. You sent your son to die for us and you gave us hope for the future, Father. We praise you this morning for the hope that is your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we receive him this morning. We allow him into our boat, Lord, so that we can have a captain who can take us to our destiny. Father, we praise you this morning. As we leave this place, When we return to our places of business, to our schools, to our homes, to our families, Lord, I pray that we can be the lighthouse for those who are in the storm. That we can say, there's your hope. Let them in the boat. We thank you, Father. It's in your son's most precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen.